how to build wealth with a low paying job. And guess what? We're doing this money guy style by age. It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Brian, I'm so excited about this one because uh, we get this question all the time about folks who are in their 20s and ask, okay, what do I do? And then in their 30s, okay, what do I do? And 40s, and 50s, okay, what do I do? We thought, okay, well, the thing that we think is beautiful about finances and wealth building and building to abundance is that it's never too late if you're willing to put the work in. If you're willing to go do the hard work, you can set yourself up for success. And we want to kind of walk you through that in today's show. Well, it's, one, it's also, I get so excited about this topic, Bo, because... And this isn't the first time. I've covered this before, but I felt like we left a little bit of low-lying fruit out there. So we kind of came back at this, and we got some numbers. If you're an analytical person or if you want to know some type of scope to measure yourself, we've got you covered on this episode. But here's the intro of what I want you to think about. I was... And and, and look, I come from a great family, love my parents, but I still did have some whispers in my ear of the big lie. Mm -hmm. And, And here's what the big lie is, is that wealth... Is only passed down, meaning you got to be um, a Rockefeller. You got to be. Your parents have to be wealthy. You have to receive some type of inheritance. You have to have a parent that's given it all Mm -hmm. to you. Um, And this is the big lie. So many people tell you that success is kind of passed down through generations, and if you come from humble beginnings. So sad, sorry to be you. That's right. But that is actually the big lie. Because let me give you some stats. And this is this is all coming from, and look, I could go on and pull more because I've got right here the millionaire next door. Yep. We got the next millionaire next, next door. door. Um, you know, so there's all kind of updates, but we're gonna focus on the data that Chris Hogan put in everyday millionaires. Yep. And here's here's the data I want you to just let this bounce around inside of your head. Twenty-one percent of millionaires received an inheritance at all. Wait a minute. Do the math on that. The other side of that number is that means 79% received nothing. No inheritance. And of that 21% that received an inheritance, only 3% received greater than a million dollars. So a very small percentage of that even had that inheritance make them a millionaire. They received some number less than that. This one blew my mind, and this is kind of what spurred this show, too. 62% of millionaires have household income less than $100,000 annually on average throughout their career. And see, that's one that hits me at home when I think about how I was raised. Because I was always taught that, you know, the really wealthy people, oh, well, they're the CEOs of Fortune 500 mm-hmm. companies. They make a gazillion dollars a year, and they had to, you know, lie, cheat, and steal to get their way there. Well, the actual numbers are that's not the case. These are everyday Americans, not super high income earners, just folks that are really good at one thing, and they build wealth that way. And then this is the last one. This is the exclamation point. This is why I put it in there. And by the way, this stat... If we remember when we talked to Sarah, Dr. Stanley's daughter, who's continued on his legacy and wrote the next millionaire next door, she had data points that all the way back to the 1800s, if you looked at the percentage of self-made millionaire people, it was over every one of the data points I've seen is over 80%. And Chris Hogan has 80% of millionaires are first generation. Right. So eight out of 10 millionaires, whether what doesn't matter what research report you look at, eight out of 10 millionaires are first generation. Yep. They and, and look, it's one of those things where, yes, they had somebody help them out through the process. I probably can name five to six sure. people. But at the end of the day, 
they don't come from money. So you can take that information and know you too can do it. Don't let somebody poison your brain into thinking your situation has to be stuck right where it is right now. That is wrong. And so what we want to do is we want to walk through each decade and talk about, okay, if this is where you are in your current stage of life, Here's some of the things that you should be thinking about. Here are some of the things you ways you can stay on track. And we're going to give you some numbers to kind of yep. assess where you are. Am I on track? Am I ahead? Am I behind? What should I be doing? So let's jump right into this. 20-year-olds. 20-year-olds, you really are the blank canvas. And I thought it was we had to put it. <laughs> Bo, you dressed up. It, it looks... He looks so much better in real life. He does look a than, lot better. Than what your, your rendition in our Halloween Well, he's, big, he's more barrel chested than I am. <laughs> you I'll think give that's him what that. it is? I think well, it's the smile. Well, he skips leg day. But that's we put to infinity and beyond for a reason, as we all love Buzz Lightyear. But it is one of those things that I think that if you're a person that's not making a great income or you're just making an average income, and you're probably saying, How in the world am I going to be wealthy or successful? I know my journey started, and you've heard it many, many times, with an economics teacher in high school saying $100 a month could make me a millionaire. And it right. just, I mean, my mind was blown through the process. And this is the, this really is the stage. If you're going to create your army of dollar bills and you want to show where humble can create awesome, this is where we're going to show you how it does it. This is where your money has the potential to be the most valuable for you in your entire life. We always People always ask us all the time, when is the best time to invest? We always say the first best time was yesterday. Second best time is today. If your yesterday or if your today is in your 20s, you have just mountains of opportunity ahead of you. So if you have, if it's you, pay attention. If you have kids, send them the link to this yep. stuff. If you have grandkids, get whoever you can that's in this 20 range let them see this type of That's content. Right. So let's, the first thing, we got to know where people are mm -hmm. so we can tell them where they need to That's be. Right. And the first thing we found is that millennials, as people 25 to 34 years of age, are on average saving about seven and a half percent. Yeah, that's right. There was actually a, a study conducted by Fidelity in 2016 that looked at overall savings rates across the population. Mm -hmm. It's found the overall savings rate is eight and a half percent. But when you isolated that and just looked at millennials, it's seven and a half percent. Now, Brian, I immediately kind of have a little bit of pause with that because we always tell folks, hey, you should be saving 15 to 20 percent of your gross income, 15 to 20 percent, 15 to 20 percent. But when you're starting out, we're in your 20s. That's kind of a hard thing to do. Yeah. So this is actually maybe more encouraging than discouraging. Millennials are saving, just maybe not at that full 15 to 20% well, clip. I get it. Life, you come out of college, you got a lot of things going on. But I'm going to tell you, I want this to be your rocket fuel motivation mm -hmm. to where you will try to have those aspirational goals to keep pushing this forward. So let's talk about what to focus sure. on. The first thing is you got to land that first job. <laughs> this, I mean, that sounds basic. Yeah. I mean, I hear you giggling. What's well, the giggling well, about? Well, no, I'm thinking, yeah, in order to save money, you have to kind of figure out a mechanism by which to go make money. So in your 20s, that's generally probably number one. Get out of school and start your job. And and here's the thing, and I put this on there as a, as a tip in the show notes, because I know my first job, your first job, mm -hmm. some of your friends' first jobs that we've coached on yep. – the way they got that first big opportunity is they went beyond basic. That's right. You have to, I'm telling you guys, if you're not going out there and if you've got a job interview coming up and you haven't Googled the owner or at least figured out who the owner is, what is his background? Where did he go to college? What is, you know, what makes this business unique? If you can't figure out what's the obstacles that are probably this business is concerned about five to 10 years down the road, so you can talk 
very, you know, in, intelligibly about these things so that when you're in the interview, you look like somebody who did just as much research on this company as they probably did on yep. you through your social media platforms. But you'd be shocked at how many people that are coming to interview for, interview for a job just read the job posting yep. and that's it. They showed up cold. Yep. That's not getting it done. And here's the the unfortunate truth is, uh, like, you know, we offer an internship program here at Abound Wealth, and I've been talking with one of our associates, Brianne, who's kind of helping us decipher who we're going to have as an intern. And when we're looking at a lot of resumes, they look the same, right? Yep. You can only discern so much information. And what I told Brianne is I said, look, you got to find which ones in here are the peacocks. Which ones are the ones that have done something different, unique, special, out of the ordinary to make themselves stand out? Those are the people we want to talk to. Because if you don't do that sort of thing, you will just blend in with the masses. It's, it's exactly right. So and that leads to the next point, investing yourself. Yep. You really are your most valuable asset. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, if you're in your 20s, What's going to get you to your goals is is if you can rise, increase your income potential. So definitely invest in yourself and in, increase your earning potential. Now, realize when I say that, it doesn't mean I want you to go out and run up a ton of student loan no, debt on something that doesn't create opportunity. But it is one of those things where if you can evaluate should I go back to school to become an accountant? Should I go back to school to you know, become an engineer? If sure. there's something, we get it, or just get a certification or do some night classes. All that stuff might pay off in many years to come. Yeah, and I would even, just like you said, Brian, it's not even about going and getting a different job. Even in our industry, you and I talked about this, you and I both obtained all of our credentials while we were in our 20s, before yep. we had families and kids and all the different things pulling on us. If you can get that kind of stuff out of the way early, it's going to set you up in your career to have greater earning potential, be out and ahead of the curve. And again, even amongst other employers and other customers and clients, it's going to be something that allows you to peacock yourself. No doubt. Now, the third thing, this is a big one. Don't do your touchdown dance too soon. I, I mean, and, and look, this this Daniel came in and talked to me earlier because we were talking about car loans. Okay. It blows my mind because, I, I mean, I've been out of school since the mid-90s. But all the mistakes that were occurring in the mid-90s, I heard you exhale because that was a long, <laughs> a time, long ago. time ago. All the mistakes, you would think there'd be some type of evolution where you know where young people would get 22 get and 23 year olds would get they'd see the data and they'd start making better decisions no they fall everybody falls into the exact same patch it looks like a roadrunner coyote type trap where there's just pond straw on top of this bear trap and people they keep, keep stepping on in, in and you're like wait a minute <laughs> you're on the desert and you see pond straw in only one area and you go step there but people do it and it's car loans and expensive apartments and other it's lifestyle decisions yep. and i know what happens here's the mindset that gets people in trouble you go you spend all these years going to school you got k through 12 and then you go get your college degree and you and you know all this you're poor yep. you're like man now that I get my first job, you get your first job making like forty, forty-five thousand dollars a year. You're like, whoa, I'm loaded. Because what? Because I could make ten dollars last an entire weekend. Because uh -huh. you're thinking about in a college town, at least when I was there, you could buy a pitcher of beer for a dollar seventy-five. So, man, with forty grand, I am rich. What you don't know is Uncle Sam, between Social Security, Medicare taxes, and income taxes. Probably taking 25 to 30% yep. of the money right off the top. So there's a lot of things that are going to start pulling mm -hmm. off of it. And then you got health insurance. That's not cheap. Yep. You go have utility, a, bills, a, a utility rent. bills, your rent. All this stuff part, starts pulling off. So your 40 grand is evaporating very quickly. Mm -hmm. So your go kart math of thinking that you can afford an $800 a month car payment is a mirage. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that bothers me is that when you people do the touchdown dance too early, 
they don't have a healthy relationship with debt That's because right. they are faking success. And that creates the first domino effect that sets you up to where you wonder, when I put out there that I want you not just saving 15 to 20, I'd like you to save 20 to 25% a year. People are like, that's crazy. It's impossible. How, how could I do that? You can't do it because you created too many things, too many strings that are pulling on your wallet right out of the gate. And that's a failure. So don't do that tap dance. But we did some math on this because we yeah. follow the 23-8. Explain what that means in the math we did. Yeah, yeah, so when you go to buy a car, we think you should follow the 23-8 rule. You should put 20% down. You should never finance for more than three years. And the cost of carrying that auto payment should not exceed 8% of your gross income. Well, we actually looked at the average price of a new car in, in this country, average price of, a, price of a new car in May of 2019 was $37,185. So we then said, okay, well, if we were to back down into the 23.8 and we know the average income that we'll talk about in a second of someone in their 20s, that you can only afford, really in your 20s, if you're going to follow 23.8, a $13,000 car, not a $37,000 car. It's roughly a third of what the average car price is in this country. Yeah, and I, and I think, look, we're going to give some data points, but I do think it's important. Even somebody, because the data that we're mentioning is like on a $45,000 yep. a year salary. I think people were shocked to find out making $45,000 a year, you should probably only buy a car that's around $13,000. Yep. This isn't the time to be buying a new car. Nope. I mean, it just is not. So you want something reliable, you want something safe, but it's probably going to be used. I mean, my first car right out of college, a used Mazda 626. Yep. Love that car and its oscillating um, you know, vents, vents that oscillated. But <laughs> it was a used car, and I financed exactly $10,000, $200. So and, it, was, and, it worked out perfectly. And that probably was, affor that was affordable. That was, it was what right. it made it, sense. My payments were right around $200 right. a month. So if you're in the market for a new car, make sure you follow 23 20% down, don't finance for more than three years, and don't let your payment be more than 8% of the total. Next thing. Don't so you gotta you gotta do this as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And you and your twenty years twenty years old, this is why we said Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond is you gotta start building your army yep. of dollar bills. So any amount is going to be a tremendous blessing in the future. I want anybody, here's the challenge for you. I want you to go look at our YouTube comments or even go look at the podcast comments, and you'll see people when we do these by the age shows. You'll see people saying, man, I'm in my 50s and I'm giving it all I got right now. I wish I'd have seen your content when I was in my 20s and 30s because I feel like I'm behind. And I think, Brent, I don't think I've ever heard it the other way. I don't yeah, think I've ever never. met someone who said, oh, man, I just wish I hadn't saved so much money in my 20s. So let me give you this thought process because this hit me the other day as I was thinking about it. If you will start saving in your 20s, in your 30s, you're going to look back and want to give yourself a fist bump. You're okay. going to be like, man, well done. Good job. Because you're going to start seeing, you're going to become addicted to the feeling of watching your money grow for yep. you. When you hear addiction, you normally think that's a negative thing. It's not bad when you're talking about empire building. Right. You will get excited about seeing your assets grow. And then when you're 40s, you'll look back at your that you started in your 20s and you're going to Man, I want to give that person a handshake because they have set me up. And then when you fast forward into your 50s, it's no longer a fist bump or a handshake. It is a full-on embrace. Thank God you started That's investing right. in your 20s. This helped me. And then in the 60s, you're going to have sobbing tears what? thinking about the fact that you started saving in your 20s. I know you guys are watching this. 20-year-olds are like, what is he talking about? I, I got too many things going on. 
I promise you, remember this conversation and you're going to think to yourself when you're in your 50s and 60s, is this a celebration or did I screw it up yep. and not listen to the Money Guy team? That's exactly I'm right. I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. So pay attention. So let's talk about how you do this. You need to be saving. I understand the average savings rate at this age is around 7.5%. And I get that. Money starts somewhere because realize that 7.5% also included employer match. Mm-hmm. And there's a good chance your employer match is probably 4% to 6%. So some of you are not even maximizing that free money that's sitting on the table right as you walk by. So make sure you're getting that type of stuff. Start making it every time you get a pay raise. That 7.5 turns into 10. Mm -hmm. Next year, it turns into 15. And then by the time you get to 30 years of age, you make it through this end of this decade, you need to be on the 20 to 25% of your gross income going towards your future. And this will, I'm telling you, it will pay off hand over fist in the future. The most valuable money that you will ever, ever save are the first dollars that you save. So the sooner you can start that, the sooner you can get them working, the better you will be, and the more your future self will thank you for it. So you guys are probably saying, well, how do I, where do I come up with this savings? If I'm not, if I'm at seven and a half, like all my peers, how do I get to 20 to 25%? Well, it's, it's the simple formula. You either can save more, spend less. Well, a lot of you are like, well, spend less. I, okay, I will focus on that. I will trim things down. I won't let my lifestyle fake it mm-hmm. until I make it. But what do you mean about save more? How do I do that if I have income? Well, you can also do side hustles. That's right. Yep. You can go generate additional income. And by the way, here, let me give you some stats. 18 to 24-year-olds, 39% of you are doing some type of side gig, meaning that you have another job. 44% of millennials, that's 25 to 34-year-olds, They also have some type of side hustle, meaning that they're doing something. I don't know if it's driving Uber or Lyft or, you know, they're doing something that generates income outside. And that's a good thing because if you can't cut your budget anymore, you can't make any more with your day job, go figure out a way to kind of – you know, fill the void there. And the thing is, is you're going to have more time. This is the way life works. You have more time in your 20s than you're going to have in your 30s, 40s, 50s. So yeah, if you have to do that second job, that side hustle, that side gig to get a little more income so that you can be saving, you will not regret it. Your 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old self will thank you for it. But let's talk about numbers to build some perspective Love here. It. I want to talk about, because this is the age, the biggest opportunity to create wealth with a low income. It's it's just so accessible at this age. So we actually went and looked at the Bureau, Bureau of Labor Statistics to look at what the average income was for a 20 and 25-year-old. And this is what we found. The average weekly income for someone who's 20 to 24 years old is $592 a week. Yeah. Or for someone who's 25 to 34 years old, the average weekly income is $858. So if you extrapolate that out in annual terms, it's about 31000 on average for someone in their 20s, or a 25-year-old, about 45000 yeah. So somewhere between thirty-one dollars to $45,000 average income. So then we said, okay, well, if that's where I'm at, what does it take for me to be a millionaire? Yeah. If I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 65, how much do I need to be saving? We've talked about this all the time, Brian, when we talk about 88 times over. If you want to have a million dollars and you're 20 years, 20 years old, you need to save $95 per month. If you think about that, that's a very low percentage of saving. That's only a 3.68% savings rate. Yeah. If you're a 25-year-old, to get to a million dollars by the time you hit 65, you have to be saving $158 per month or a 4.2% savings rate. That, that's 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 very reasonable. It's very, it's, it's not, so we even said the 7.5% that millennials are already doing – 
Millennials that are saving 7.5% are already, if they're at this income level, already blowing it out of the water to be a millionaire by the time they're 65. Now, people say, okay, what investment, what rate of return? Mm -hmm. I know that's in We used, look, for 20-year-olds, I think you can be a little more aggressive than other age groups. So we did use a 10% rate of return, mm -hmm. which is the equivalent of something like the S&P 500 yep. index over the last decades. That's right. So it is one of those things. So, But I'm amazed when you look at this, one, you know, if you want to be a millionaire, you only need to be saving 3.7% for a 20-year-old. That's right. 4.2% for a 25-year-old. That is that that's that's even below the national savings yep. average for this for the younger people. What I think is amazing because then we have the whole three millionaires. That's right. We have people all the time say, oh well, you know, in the future a million dollars won't yeah. be worth what it's worth. They said, okay, we will see you and we will raise you a million dollars to three million dollars. Because you gotta argue at three million dollars, even 40 years in the future, that's gonna be a substantial sum of money. Well, if you're a 20-year-old and you want to have $3 million by the time you're 65, you just have to save $286 a month. It's only an 11.1% savings rate. That's incredible. I mean, 11, we're not even hitting the numbers of 20 to 25% that I threw out there. Yep. So guys, a little goes a long way. So if you're looking at your 40-year-old boss, your 50-year-old boss, and you're jealous, I wish I had their income, I will tell you they're looking right back at you and going, man, if I only had the knowledge... Just a hundred dollars a month yep. for a twenty-year-old. I mean, it's just—it's one of those things that blows your mind at just how powerful your army of dollar bills is. Because to be worth three million dollars on a forty-five thousand dollar year a salary, mm -hmm. only saving twelve point six, and that's a twenty-five-year-old. I did that. I, I threw that number because there's some of you going to be overachievers and truly start at twenty or yep. twenty-one, twenty-two. But a lot of you are just now waking up at twenty-five. That is very reasonable. It's so huge. so go out there and attack the day. Use this information to motivate you, be your rocket fuel, to become the best financial version of yourself and do some great things in the decades to come. Let's talk about 30-year-olds. Okay. 30-year-olds, here's the thing I think about it. 20, you're just figuring out how the world works. Uh -huh. But in your 30s, you're building wisdom. I mean, you really, the world's starting to make a little more sense to you. You're managing chaos. I get it, Bo. <laughs> you get it. I mean, it, you're, I'm, I figure you're going to blow it off here in a minute and tell everybody, let them see a little behind the curtain of the handsome yeah. household, is that this is chaos. And I've had so many pick-me-up talks with you that I'm telling you, Bo, it's okay. It's supposed <laughs> to be chaotic at this age in your life. So don't worry about it. Everybody else is going through this too. We, we have to do this to populate the earth. Yeah, so so keep, it's okay. Keep going. You keep telling me that there's light at the end of the tunnel, but it I will. keep telling you about the alligator pits and the razor blades no, and the arrows well, that are happening in the tunnel. It's chaotic <laughs> in your 30s. I, I, I fully give that. But this is also your last stop on the train of maximizing your wealth multiplier. When you can let the compounding interest mm -hmm. of, you know, of your money and your army of dollar bills working for you, it's still going to be great in your 40s. It's still going to be good in your 50s, but it is outstanding in rocket your 20s fuel. and 30s. It really is that rocket fuel moment. So this is the last stop on that that understanding. Yep. So let's kind of jump into this. So if you think about savings rate, we already said that the overall savings rate in this country, according to the Fidelity study in 2016, is 8.5%. And we've already said that millennials, you know, age 25 to 34, save on average 7.5%. So to get to the average, we'd have to assume that the ones in their 30s would have to be saving more. So how much more is it? 
Well, it's 8.2%. It's still <laughs> below the average, and we're still nowhere near the 15 to 20% that you want to be saving. But if you just listen to what we said about the 20-year-olds, if you start early, it's amazing what even lower savings rates can do for you if you give yourself time. And that same thing is true in your 30s. Yeah, a little goes a long right. way. I think it's worth repeating. So let's talk about in your 30s, what is what do you need to be thinking about? Because there's a lot going on. You know, this is the part where I think you're trying to figure out is where I'm at on a daily basis, is this a J-O-B job or is this truly a career I see myself progressing and growing into? Yeah, it's so interesting, Brian, because I've got friends who are in their 30s who said, you know what, this thing I've been doing, I don't want to do anymore. I'm going to shift. And they're able to do that and it's wonderful. It works out and they find fulfillment and they're able to make that change. And I have other friends who I've seen who try to do that same thing in their 40s and 50s, and it's just not the same. Yeah. This is the decade where if you are going to make a big life change in your 30s, you still have 20, 25, 30 working years left. So you have a lot of time to build in that 10,000 hours of experience, that time to go find something that's fulfilling. Yep. As life gets more complicated, as the kids get older, as all the things pulling on you get more and more severe – it's harder and harder to do that. So you want to make sure you have it right in this stage. Well, it's also a risk capacity thing. I think because that's kind of the, 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 the thing you're brushing up against is that in your 20s and 30s, if you completely fail, mm -hmm. it's okay because you have time to that's recover. Right. This all making big changes, especially in your career path and taking a move sideways or even a step down gets much harder when you've bought the farm in your 40s and 50s. Right. There's just too many things going on. So that's why I will tell you, focus on is it a job or a career while you're in 30s. Use that wisdom that you built up in your 20s to try to figure out if you're an expert at something, how do we now try to maximize yep. that potential? Let's move on to the chaos, the family. <laughs> but this is the part, this is what I tell you. And this is kind of, I feel like we're opening the curtain, letting everybody see our conversations this is not supposed to be easy at this stage of life. Because let me just tell you, you have to tell me if this resembles your life. Is it? We are hardwired. First of all, I think it's worthwhile to know. We as humans, this is how we continue to populate the earth. We are hardwired that our memories actually get better the older uh -huh. we get on experiences where the ugly stuff falls off. Yeah, that's And true. the ugly stuff I'm talking about is, is that when you have kids... First, you're changing poopy diapers. Uh, change a lot of very poopy diapers. You have a lot of sleepless nights. I do not sleep a whole lot. You were, and that leads to exhaustion. Uh, I mean, because yep. you just never know. <laughs> if there was a choose, you, there's so many things that happen while you're in the family years that if there was a choose your own adventure, it would be this thick. Yeah. I mean, it really it wouldn't be like your normal choose your own adventure. It's just because you never know. Every night you lay your head down, uh -huh. you just hoping. That you wake up in the morning and something didn't fall That's apart exactly at night. That's exactly right. That's 100% true. And, uh, and I think what's so amazing, Brian, is that you, I think you said it exactly. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and it's supposed to be hard. I, you know, my natural, this is sort of confessional, my natural bent is I want to be a fixer. I want things to be perfect and better. And, you know, for those of you that have kids, you just understand it doesn't work that way. You yeah. cannot fix that situation. But the things that you're doing in your 30s, the things that you're doing with your kids, the time you're spending, the hard stuff you're putting in, matters and has a very lasting impact. So that's not something, at least for me, that I can lose sight on. And so I love thinking about, you know, you said what to focus on. Don't focus on the hardness of it. Focus on the importance of it and the yeah. necessity of it for what you're going through. But it is. I, I think it's important. Other people to know 
There are struggles out there. Yeah, for sure. This too will pass, so it will be okay. But this is something that leads to the next thing is lifestyle creep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Now, Bo, I'm looking very – I mean, tell me, is this something that you see people – because remember, you have just enough wisdom. You're also starting to make some inroads in your career yep. to where income is starting sure. to look a lot better di- than it did when you're 22, 23 Absolutely, years yep. old getting that first job. What does lifestyle creep look yeah, like for just, a thirty-year-old? It's one of those things where you close your eyes and you open them, and then you just notice that it happened, right? Like uh, in your twenties and your thirties, okay, there's making egregious bad decisions, like oh, I don't need to go buy that new fancy car; I really can't afford it. But then in your thirties, it's okay, maybe I can afford that. Maybe that yeah. is something. But what's the trade-off? If I do go buy the big house, if I do go buy the nice car. What am I sacrificing to be able to do that? And you have to answer that question for yourself. Am I sacrificing something that my 40, 50, 60-year-old self is really going to wish that I had? Or is it okay? Am I following all the appropriate rules? Am I keeping my housing below 25%? Am I doing the 23-8 with my car? Am I making solid financial decisions even if my lifestyle is increasing? Or is my lifestyle creep increasing more than my savings rate? Because if that's the case, you have to take a pause and say, what am I doing? I am robbing from my future self. Well, let's talk. I want to go a little deeper now. I want to talk about what is it, because the, the biggest thing that I think is fundamental with wealth creation is deferred gratification or living below your means. Because that's really when somebody says live below your means, they're real talking about taking a little bit of today so you can have an awesome tomorrow. It's that whole concept of deferred gratification. Well, and we talked about this for the 20 year olds, but we got to come back and play a little review. The average new car loan, I think this is a thing we didn't even make this, this, this differentiation in the 20s, is 37,185 as of May 2019. Daniel came and told me an interesting stat, which is why we're going to do even more content on this in the coming. I will go ahead and put a teaser out there. Approximately 5000 of that $37,000 is not for the new car. It is the negative equity oh. that people have because they're underwater in their current car that when they go buy a new car, they don't even pay off the old one. They just, they roll, just roll the negative equity into the new car loan. That is so much worse. How'd you bury that lead for me? So, so it's 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 that's what. Uh, I mean, so folks I'm, actually buy a thirty-two thousand dollar car, but take out a thirty-seven thousand dollar loan to pay for it. So it has a lot to do with we have stretched out how long people can pay for stuff. We're focusing on the car payments versus how much we actually owe on the car and what the car is worth. We're upside down, and it's because the market created this. And this is why I think it's worth repeating. 23-8 yep. works, guys. 20% down, amortize over the next three years, and then make sure that your car payment is not greater than 8% of your gross income. This is what's going to keep you, and if you apply it to those average numbers, we told you somebody who's in their 30s, you're probably at an average income, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, around $54,000 a year. That means your car purchase should probably be around fifteen thousand five hundred. That's right. Not thirty-seven thousand because you rolled your old car that's now not worth anything, but you still owe money yep. on into the old car line. How about this for a little bit of cold water? We took the number $37,185 and we reverse engineered it backwards yep. to figure out what income would re- would it require to be able to afford a car like that. If you're going to buy a $37,185 car, your household income needs to be $130,000 a yeah, year to make it mind. fall into that realm of responsible decision-making. So so be very careful with understanding that. Now, but I think, let's put some data, because we are so nerdy that we went and researched, Daniel did, he mm-hmm. found this stat for us, 
on how many people are actually even focusing on how much they spend. Do they understand this concept of deferred gratification? What did we find, Bo? Yeah, I'm going to say by and large, the answer is absolutely not. Look <laughs> at this. 36% of Americans, now this is according to the 2018 National Financial Capability Study, 36% of Americans spend their entire paycheck every month. Gone. They are just living month to month paying for it. That's paycheck to paycheck. But wait, it gets worse. 19% spend more than they make. So 19% of respondents are actually incurring debt on a month over month basis. Uh, 4% refuse to answer or don't know. I'm going to go on a limb and suggest that if you refuse to answer or don't know, you're probably not on the good side of this yeah. camp. And so what that tells us is that only 41% of folks actually live below their means. So 10 people on the street, six of them are doing money wrong on yep. their monthly budget, and only 4% are actually doing the concept of deferred gratification. And as we've seen from the national averages of savings rates, we're still not anywhere near 20 to 25%. Right. And that leads me to the, the thing that I think, this is the tough love moment. And I, I'm serious with you guys. I gave the 20-year-olds a break because I get it. When you're first out of college, you're, it's hard to tell somebody who's making $40,000 a year right out of college, you need to be saving 20 25%. Because I know there's a lot of things pulling at your back pocket. You got to have time for that that habit to develop and kind of evolve into the 20 25% because there's probably a runway yep. that you started off at 7% even counting the employer match but then it went to 10, 15, got up to 20 with pay raises. If you're in your 30s and you're not saving 20 to 25%, guys, you got to get there as fast as possible. That is the tough love moment because listen to this Let's do the numbers to build perspective to kind of show them mm -hmm. why it's so important that they need to be saving money. So again, from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, we wanted to go look at the average income in this country for a 30-year-old as well as a 35-year-old. And we found that the average income for a 30-year-old is $45,000 a year. Average income for a 35-year-old is $54,000 a year. Well, if you want to be a millionaire and you wait until either 30 or 35 to start saving, for the 30-year-old, you have to save $270 per month to get to a million dollars. For the 35-year-old, you have to save $452 per month. Well, if you look at that in percentage terms, for a 30-year-old, you have to be saving 7.2% to yep. get to a million by the time you get to 65. Again, good news, on average, 30-year-olds are saving 8.2. So again, a little goes a long way. And then if you wait till 35, the number goes from 7.2 up to 10%. You have to be saving 10% of that $54,000 income to get to a million by age 65. So here's the things, there's several things to take from this. First of all, we use, for a 30-year-old, we use 9% rate of mm -hmm. return yep. because we know that you're not getting what the 20-year-old's getting with the 10%. And then for a 35-year-old, th we even brought it down to 8.5% because right. the older you get, the more risk you have to kind of dial down and you're going to add more diversification to your portfolio. So you can see, to be a millionaire, 7.2% of your savings on based upon average incomes mm -hmm. for a 30-year-old, 10% for 35 but a million is not going to be the same right. for for a person who's 30 or 35 years old. So let's take into account the three million. Because when we were talking to Sarah, the next millionaire next door, she had kind of mentioned that inflation adjusted. Three million is kind of now the ding, ding, ding the number mark, that people are really, if you want to be, when you talk, we did a fire episode recently. Three million is kind of a big threshold where you're living a really good life. So what do you need to be saving as a 30-year-old? 
It's twenty one point six percent. That's that that comes out to eight hundred and eleven dollars per month. That's some pretty serious chat. And then for the thirty five year old, it actually goes up to one thousand three hundred and fifty six dollars per or month, or thirty point one percent of their income of fifty four thousand. So that's why when you hear us talking about you got to be saving twenty to twenty five percent, it's amazing to me, Bo. We've been doing that stat for years, but when we actually put the data to it, you're like. It's it amazing. It I mean, works. this is exactly how this all lines up. So pay attention to that stuff. You can be a millionaire, even making modest incomes yep. in your 20s, in your 30s. You do not have to be making six figures to That's be right. a millionaire, but you better make sure your behavior reflects the, the, the habits that are actually creating wealth. Absolutely. So let's talk about 40-year-olds. Okay. 40-year-olds, guys... I did this. Now, if you're 40, you're going to catch this next reference. If you're younger than 40, you probably need to go look for a movie that's around the 1999 time frame. I think that how, was when it came out. How heartbroken were you at how much of our workforce did not catch this reference? It, it was it, heartbreaking. It did break my I'm, heart. gonna, I'm not going to lie. It, it, it broke my heart. And Matt, Daniel came in this morning. He goes, I saw a Matrix DVD at the thrift store yesterday. <laughs> I kid you not. This was actually a quote from Daniel this morning. Was I thought saw the Matrix? Because here is the perspective, the red pill perspective. I want you guys. To, oh, look at what Daniel did. I don't know that I saw that in pre-show <laughs> prep. He actually did a Matrix reference uh-huh. in the thing. He's a rock star. But it, it's this is the part where you probably wake up when you take the red pill of realizing I'm in my 40s. Retirement is right around the corner. I'm no longer a 20 year old. I'm not even a 30-year-old. I'm kind of at the point that I'm supposed to have stuff figured out. So the red pill is exciting that you this is the handshake. Like I said, mm-hmm. if you start saving your 20s, you're looking back at yourself and going, well done. You good job for setting me up. If you haven't done anything, you are horrified. Yep. You're like, oh my gosh, I gotta retire That's in right. 15 to 20, 25 years. I better get to work yep. because this thing's gonna start getting ahead of me. How do I catch up at this point? And you see that in the savings rates as well. Yeah, that, we've already said that for a millennial, the average saving rate was 7.5. Well, the number that we used uh, for the 30-year-olds actually goes from 35 through 50. So this encompasses the 40s. It's still a savings rate of 8.2%. Now, some of that might be folks who saved really good early on and maybe they're taking it off. But I think probably more often than not, folks are behind and they don't realize they're behind. They got to catch up. They got to start but, putting But the here's work. what I can read between the numbers. This is what you guys pay me the big bucks so I can tell you the stuff that the stats aren't doing, but it's taking you to the next level. If young people 25 to 34 are saving 7.5%, people who are 35 to 50 are saving 8.2%, but the average is 8.5%, that means people who are in their 50s are like, Oh my God! <laughs> so they're they're obviously pushing that average way up yep. because they are having that aha red pill moment. Yep. I'm telling you guys, in your 40s, you have the wisdom, you have the knowledge, you have the resources of things like the Money Guy Show. Wake up and turn it on because the the easy money of being a 20 year old with 88 times growth, meaning you put a dollar and it turns into 88 by times retirement, those days are gone. Right, but there's still as a 40-year-old, you have the potential, even a 45-year-old, your money can multiply. There is a multiplier effect. It's just you got to become much more deliberate with your behavior. So That's let's right. talk about what to focus on. The first thing is, do you have purpose and why? Now, this, this is something I think is very powerful because when do midlife crises happen? They happen Generally in, in the 40s. 40s. Yeah. When do people start questioning 
why am I even doing this? Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. I think this is, that's why I call it the red pill moment. This is when you start asking why about a lot more things that are going on in your life. I had a Twitter comment that I thought was worth sharing and kind of tied into this. Now, this is somebody that's probably looking back on their life and giving them a a high five handshake because they're pretty happy about it. But now they've got a, a red pill moment here, though. So let's let's look at what it says. But what, what, read read Mark's um, so Mark House said Twitter comment. Hey, to me. Money Guy Podcast! I just turned forty. I have a multi I have a multi million dollar business, two million in real estate, and about six hundred thousand in equities. Feeling a little stuck or what's next syndrome. So first of all, great job, Mark. You're in a fantastic spot. This is what Brian said. This is the response. Say congratulations on the success. Refocus on your why you do what you do. Why do you do what you do? For many years, it's probably the money. Now it can be growing for the benefit of your employees, giving back to charity, building memories, legacy. There are more, there's more purpose behind what you're doing than simply building up the wealth. Now that you've done a lot of that hard part, refocus. What is the reason you get out of bed every morning? Well, because there's so many, I've seen, I've done so much research for this show on what creates happiness and why midlife crises occur, because I've had it happen around me. It's one of those things where it really is, I think people, when you're in your 20s and your 30s, you're like, it's okay if I'm uncomfortable or if I'm not happy because I'll just get this next promotion. Right. I'll keep, I'll get this next pay raise. That will fix my issues. If I just made this much money, so I'd be you, okay. You, you just keep going, and you think that the next level will get me there. When you get in your 40s, you're going so fast, just like you're on the interstate, and you're looking around. Everybody's driving 85 to 90 miles per hour, and then you look at what's up ahead, and you're like, wait a minute. What the heck am I doing here? I'm not. I, this is not what I signed up for. That's kind of. I get that feeling a little bit by what Mark quoted. Is that he's now got the money, mm-hmm. but it's not everything. He's still putting his pants on the same way. Water tastes the same. Steaks taste the same as they did when he was thirty. This is the point where you better figure out what your why is, yep. because if you have purpose, this is for somebody who has success, but I'm telling you, it's the same way for somebody who even is aspirational, because you need to know what makes you happy, what makes you fulfilled, because this is that stop where you can make those changes in your life with the career, your job, your family. you got to make sure that you're pointing everything in the right direction. This is also the decade, Brown. You said, okay, when you're in your 20s and 30s, if you screw something up, if you just really mess it up and you have to go back to zero. It's okay. You've got enough time. Well, in your 40s, you're kind of getting away from that, uh-oh, I can screw it up standpoint. So you really have to know what you have and is there a plan of action in place to get you to the finish line. You can see the finish line. Is there a plan in place to get you there? Yeah, napkin math is probably not carrying it anymore. Right. So let's talk about it. This is kind of the second point is know what you have and is there a plan of action, as Bo said. This is where you probably want to pull some tools and resources out. Are you doing that annual net worth statement? If you're look right now, when you guys are listening to the show, if you're not doing a net worth statement, you must be. It is just that valuable. Brent, how often do yours? I do it once a year, but I'm we're, we're exceptions. I will tell you. We have great employees here as well as Money Guy listeners. They love doing it monthly. Yeah. They love doing it quarterly. It really, we've told you, we have kind of developed financial plans. I have a cash management plan. I don't even have a budget anymore because my stuff's mature. My yeah. my but my net worth statement is it's graduated college. It's out there working. It's bringing home its own it's bucks. Its I'm proud of it. So, well, I don't have to do it as much yep. as when it was, you know, a brand new net worth statement where it's still pooping on itself and you have to change diapers. That needs a little more attention. So that's how when you're trying to figure out how often you need to do the net worth, it really is how much is on autopilot and yep. already set up for you. Next tool, 
asset allocation. It's huge. You want to make sure that, again, in your 40s, you're getting that point where you don't want to screw this up too much. So it's okay if you were a cowboy in your 20s and 30s, and maybe that worked out well for you. But the unfortunate truth is we just don't know when the next downturn is going to come. And what happens is in your 40s, it becomes more about how much of your money you get to keep long-term than just about how much you're making. So you need to understand the conversation, the correlation between risk tolerance, risk capacity, and what your overall asset allocation of your portfolio should look like. And this is why when we do these slides, we give you numbers in a minute. For 20-year-olds, yeah, we're swinging for the fences. Mm -hmm. We're putting 10% assumed rate of returns in there because that's what the S&P did. Yep. For our you know, 40 and 45-year-olds, we're going 8% to 7.5% because yep. we know you're gliding that risk path down right. the older you get because you're diversifying. And that leads to the last thing, risk management estate plan. Mm -hmm. Just like you want to dial down your risk in your portfolio, you're also going to make sure you have all your life insurance. You want to make sure you have disability insurance, yep. umbrella insurance. Do you have a estate plan That's, so if you yep. left the earth, your kids have a plan, or you know, especially if you have minor children, mm -hmm. you know what is lined up and where everything is going. And then the other thing, Brian, that we talk about, and we see this all the time with friends of ours, is you know, this is really the decade you just need to be aware of self-inflicted yeah. damage that can have a catastrophic effect to your financial situation. Yeah, and we've kind of alluded to a few of those. That's the midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. That's the divorce that come. And, and look, the grass is not always greener. Sure. I can tell you from from experiencing it and seeing it with friends. Just be careful with making these crazy decisions that rock your whole world. And that leads to, this is also the point, if you do have some success financially, this is where the dumb doctor deals start yep. showing up. You start thinking, look, I've got this excess money. I'll start doing this sexy thing over here, this private deal. This, you know, and, and I'm not going to go into deep because we've done so many shows mm -hmm. on this, but just avoid the dumb doctor deals. And then don't buy purchases that are just not part of the plan That's because right. part of this midlife crisis might be that shiny sports mm -hmm. car or the beach house right. or other things that are d distractions. And look, maybe you can afford these things. I'm just saying you better have created a plan that takes everything into account so that it's not an emotional decision, that it's an analytical decision exactly that fits right. into your financial plan. So we talked about in the 20s and 30s, we were looking, okay, well, how much does it take to be able to build a million by the time I get to 65? Well, at your 40s, you kind of need to know where you are. Are you on track or behind? Are you ahead of the curve, behind the curve, or on the curve? So we looked at the average income again for 35 to 40 year olds on a weekly basis. It's $1,039 a week. And for 45 to 54 year olds, it's a $1,058 a week. So that comes out to annual incomes of about $54,000 or $55,000 respectively. So according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, average income for someone in their 40s comes in right around 45, uh, $54,000 to $55,000. $5,000. Well, if you've listened for any period of time, you know that we absolutely love the Millionaire Next Door Wealth Formula, and we think that you should do a wealth check when you hit 40. And the formula is really, really easy. Yeah. You take your age, you multiply it times your annual income, and then you divide by 10. Well, that number that you calculate shows where you should be if you want to be an average accumulator of wealth. But you know, we want you to be above average. We want yep. you to go beyond common sense. So if you want to be a prodigious accumulator of wealth, you want to multiply that number times two. So if we just take the $54,000 and $55,000 annual income amounts, if you're someone who's 40 years old and you want to be an average accumulator of wealth, your net worth statement, if that describes your income, should show about $216,000. Or if you're 45 years old, it should show about $247,000. But we won't say that's not good enough. That's just average. That's right. Your, money Guy family is not average. We're 
above average. So that's why you're going to be at the prodigious accumulator of wealth. Yep. The PAW is a millionaire next door talks about. And that's why you're going to have two times that number. So it's actually going to be for a 40-year-old, it's going to be around 432000 45-year-olds could be 495. A lot of you are probably asking yourself, wait a minute, Brian, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, you were telling me how much I need to save to be a millionaire. Why didn't you do it this way on the 40-year-olds? The reason is, guys, I told you in, in your 30s, this was a tough love moment. If you're in your 30s, you better be saving 20 to 25%. It didn't make sense to give you the number as a 40- and 45-year-old from zero because you're not at zero when you're 40 right. and 45 years old. You better have started saving with your army of dollar bills. So we wanted to give you kind of a, a benchmark of where you should be. Now, realize this is off of a fifty-four dollars to $55,000 salary. If you make significantly more than this, but yet this is where your income, your assets are, your investable assets, you're behind. You are behind. So I want you to use that millionaire millionaire next door formula to give yourself a spot check and then don't just celebrate when you reach average accumulator of wealth. Average is not going to get it done. As we've seen the average person is horrible at building wealth yep. and accumulating assets. Remember in the previous stats in our 30s, 61% of people, uh, or 59% of people don't even go beyond living right. paycheck to paycheck. Right. So average is not going to do it. I want you to shoot for the PAW, the prodigious accumulator of wealth, which is going to be two times the million, millionaire next door formula. So here's the high five moment. If you're someone who's done this, remember the beautiful part about being 40 years old or 45 years old is you still have 20 to 25 years for this money to work for you. And we know that our money works even after we've been accumulating it. So without even saving another dollar, if all you've done is accumulate either 432,000 at 40 or 45 years old, you've accumulated 495,000. What will those amounts be worth when you turn 65? You are already well on your way to be a millionaire. Yeah. If you are an average accumulator of wealth by 40, that money that you've already built up will be worth over a million and a half dollars. At 45, that money you've already built up will be worth 1.1. But if you were that person who was prodigious, you were saving more than you were supposed to be, you actually are checking the box. At a 40-year-old, that number will turn into $3.2 million, That's and powerful. a 45-year-old will be $2.2 million. But here's the thing I think is powerful, too, because remember the whole title of this show is, is that you can build wealth making less than six figures. You really yep. can. I want to bring it home that, guys, you have tremendous potential to be a millionaire, to build wealth. You don't have to make bags and bags of right. cash to do it. Focus on the behavior that creates wealth. Remember, the average millionaire, according to Chris Hogan, it happens in your late 40s. This is not something that's usually one of the biggest assets that's doing that crossing you over into seven-figure land is your retirement right. account. So you're like your 401k at work. So focus on the behaviors that are creating empires, and you will be successful. Perfect. Let's fast forward and talk about 50-year-olds. Now, I love what Daniel did here. Go ahead and show them, Bo. <laughs> 50s is, are you going to be a Mad Hatter or a wise wizard? So if you're out there on YouTube, you can see the slide we have up there. If you're out on iTunes, there's a guy with a wizard hat on. I'm like, oh, Daniel, who? this must be some great philosopher, some super intelligent guy. Who's this uh, wizard that you put on the screen? You know what his answer was? It's clip art. It was a stock photo. I just found a stock photo of a guy. But it is. I mean, this is one, because I, I, Daniel did a great job with the titles I created in show note prep. 
he turned them into a visual. And but, I, but why did I choose Mad Hatter versus Wise Wizard? And the reason I said is because remember when we started this entire show, if you go back, if you're watching the highlight, I would encourage you to go back and look at the full episode and look at the intro where I tell you that there is a poison out there that is throughout society is that wealth is passed down, it's not created. And that is a straight-up lie. I call it the big lie is that wealth is passed down and it's not created and it's just not true because all the research shows is that approximately 80% of millionaires are first-generation millionaires. But so you wonder, well, where does all this bitterness come from? Where does all the bad stuff... I think it comes from the 50-year-olds. From because, the Mad Hatters. Yeah, the Mad Hatters, because this is the age, if you have not made the decisions you needed to as a 20-year-old, as a 30-year-old, as a 40-year-old, or you get in your 50s, if you're way behind, there is a propensity that you might be bitter. Mm-hmm. And instead of you taking accountability, a lot of people start poisoning the well of the youth. That's right. And they start saying, nope, the system's against me. It's human nature and how we cope is nothing is usually it's not my a fault. person's fault. They usually will say, it's the system is against me. Yep. And that's why I say Mad Hatter versus Wise Wizard, because it's going to be the 50-year-old that's the wise wizard that made the decisions as a 20-year-old or 30-year-old or even a 40-year-old that's going to look back and want to give that huge embrace and go, well done and thank you. I mean, it really yeah, is the so case. True. So that's why I titled this, because I thought it was such an important thing. So let's talk about what to focus on if you're a 50-year-old. So you had already mentioned, Brian, that, okay, we knew where the savings rate was for millennials. It was at 7.5%. We know where the savings rate is for 35 to 50-year-olds. It's 8.2%. So if the average is 8.5%, the 50-year-olds must be carrying their weight. And what we found when we looked at this Fidelity study from 2016 yeah, is that. that the boomers, they are saving about 9.7%. So it's higher than their counterparts, but it's still not 15 yeah. to 20%. It is one of those things, but you can tell people are scared. Yep. If, they, if they're putting that much money into it, they're understanding that, look, I better be doing something. Even if I'm bitter, even if I'm poisoning the well, I better be doing yep. something to get it going. So let's let's talk about how you focus on those things. The first thing is, do you even know your number? Whenever someone calls me in their 50s uh, or even their 60s and they say, hey, you know, I'm really thinking about retiring. I want to see if you guys can help with that. I always ask them, okay, first question, how much do you need to retire? And I'm amazed how folks are just like, oh, uh, I, I just know I want to stop working. I don't like this job. I'm ready to tell them they can take it and do you know what with it. They don't actually know their number. If you're at this stage, you really need to know what is that goal that you're working for to know that you can comfortably step away from the workforce and that you are financially independent. I mean, at a minimum, I'm amazed when I talk to people, I ask them what their living expenses are. They don't know. So you got to know what are your numbers. It's not just your number is what do you need to be financially independent. Your numbers is you better know also what you're spending monthly and how that all works. You're going to know that if you're doing things like your net worth statement, budgets, cash management plan, all that stuff plays into it. And that leads to the next thing. What's your legacy? I mean, when you're in your 50s, your kids are getting older. You're starting to figure out, you know, Am I doing things right here? Am I am I giving back to charity? Am I mentoring people professionally within my job so that I'm passing down this knowledge? Am I doing a good job of making sure that I am not that mad hatter who's poisoning the well of the future so I am creating somebody's false thoughts that's going to limit? You're creating a limiting belief, yep. essentially. So pay attention to those things. 
And then last thing, I don't know if you were going to go into it, is how efficient Yeah, I was going to say, the big thing that we see with folks in their 50s, a lot of the ones that have done well, they've built up a really healthy portfolio. They're kind of at that abundance lifestyle or that abundance part of the cycle. Uh, we ask the question, how efficient are you with your resources? How good is your plan? Um, are you now equipping your army of dollar bills to work for you as hard as it can? Are you doing charitable giving in a really tax-efficient manner? Right. Are you looking at not just asset allocation and risk tolerance and risk capacity, but also asset location? Yeah. What's the taxability from the different accounts? Are you doing things like Roth conversions to prepare for required minimum distributions at age 70? When you're in your 50s, a lot of that heavy, heavy planning takes place. You can make your army work harder for you by being strategic in how you deploy those assets. Well, I think a lot of people, because this is they, they reach out to us. They, it's part of the abundance cycle. Mm -hmm. They're good at saving. Yep. I mean, they, 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 it's like I said, they, in their 20s and 30s, they realized how powerful it was through compounding interest and your army of dollar bills of getting in the habit of just letting your money work. So they're great savers, but the problem is they've done such a good job of do-it-yourself of building that they're like, I know there's probably another level that I just don't know. I'm just so good at building. I don't know these things. And it's all those things you talked about. Yep. There is a better way to do charitable giving. There's a better way to do tax location. Sure. To not only save you on taxes while you're working, but so you can get that money as a, as a spender out more tax efficiently and right. manipulate the tax code in a legal way. And then the whole Roth conversion yep. strategy. Absolutely. So, And that leads to the last tip, tip that I had for 50-year-olds. Don't be scared to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I, look, I know prideful-wise, you love it. And, I, and what's crazy is a lot of you guys have done such a good job, your spouses are in awe of you. <laughs> You're like, you've done a great job. So when you actually realize you might be a little over, you know, the water's starting to uh -huh. fill up and you're a little over your head at this point and you decide you want to reach out to somebody, your spouse is going to be like, why would you want to pay You've done somebody? So great You've up done this so point. good. It's because of all those things that I just talked about that you probably know there's another level. Plus, this thing's gotten so big, you'd like to have somebody. You don't want to blow it up and that's break right. it. So that's why, because this is the, this is when you ask for help. This is when you can start doing planning to another level. You can do Monte Carlo simulations. You can try to stress test or try straight up try to break your retirement plan. Yep. What are the blind spots that you're not thinking about that would help if you had a co-pilot look at? You know, and we don't, we are the worst marketers ever, but I do think I wouldn't be doing you justice if I didn't put that tip in there. You only get one shot to enter into financial independence. If financial independence for you means leaving the workforce, leaving a job, living off your assets, you just want to make sure it's something you measure three, four, five, six, seven times and only cut once. So let's give them some numbers to build some perspective, Bo. So again, if we take the Bureau of Labor Statistics, average income for a 45 to 54 or a 55 to 64 year olds, it's about 55 and $52,000 respectively. So again, we're going to use the millionaire next door formula. We're going to take your age, times your income and divide by 10. But, but can I give one thing that I thought was interesting? Yeah. The young person, the 50 year olds income, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, works out to be about $55,000 right. a year. The 55-year-old works out to be $52,000 a year. It's actually going down. It's going, this is the first time, because all the other ages, it was going up. But you see, and I don't know if that's people falling out of the workforce. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's people making less income. But either way, I think that you have to pay attention when something like that data point shows up, where every other decade was going up. This is the stage where you've probably reached 
peak earning potential, and you need to make sure your plan right. has evolved to reflect that. That's exactly right. So if we take that formula, age times your income divided by 10, for a 50-year-old, if you want to be an average accumulator of wealth at that income, your net worth should be 275000 But we want you to be prodigious. You should be over half a million dollars. You should be at $550,000. If you're a 55-year-old, to be an average accumulator of wealth, you should have two hundred eighty-six. Or to be a prodigious accumulator, which is what you should shoot for, it should be double that amount, which is 572000 Even at 50 and 55, you still have an intermediate term time horizon for those dollars to grow. So if that's what you've accomplished, and I'll just use the 550 and the 572, by the time that you get to 65 years old, you could still be on track for a 50-year-old to have a million and a half bucks, or even for the 55-year-old to have $1.1 million. So let me just recap this, because this is a powerful thing, is that a person who's in their 50s making a 50, you know, making 55 mm -hmm. to $52,000 a year, because we have the 50-year-old at 55, the 55-year-old at 52,000. That's all Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's not a tycoon making six no, figures. That's somebody all. making, you know, mid-level income still has the potential. If they've done the right habits, yep. the right saving behaviors, when they reach retirement, they're going to be millionaires. It, it, it can actually even be so much better because this doesn't even take into account additional savings. Yeah. That's just the money that you've built up to this point that can work for you. Obviously, if you continue to save from now until the time you turn 65, it's even greater. It just keeps on compounding. Look, it's great to be a 20-year-old who watches this content, but I will tell you, I still get excited for my 50-year-old because this shows that multiplier effect, it has slowed down. But man, it's still pretty incredible that yep. you can be a seven-figure person just starting out with just making sure you're focusing on the basics exactly right. and, the, and, and all these things kind of come together perfectly. And that kind of leads to, here's kind of the closing things, the, the closing points that I want people to understand. As you can see, there's a big lie out there in society is that the only way that you can get wealth is if it's passed down to you. That is wrong, guys. I mean, I'm here to tell you, 80% of millionaires are first generation. That means wealth is created. You're looking at two examples, Absolutely. by the way. Neither one of us come from wealth. And yet I'm telling you, you too can be a seven-figure person if you just don't buy into the big lie. The thing you have to understand is average income is okay. Yep. You don't have to make bags of cash to be successful. The biggest thing, if you're going to turn dreams into reality you better create a plan. And that's the biggest thing I think the average American is screwing up. And that's why we've gone, Bo, this is pretty exciting stuff. We've actually created a resource page. Oh, yeah. Yep. Hey, guys, if you haven't gone to moneyguy.com and gone and looked at our resource page, a lot of these things, especially like the wealth multiplier, the net worth by age, these things are blowing it off the track. Yep. I think people see this and they're like, whoa, I can't believe this is free. And so they go and they give us their email address and they download this content. You've got to go check it out. It's all completely free. Go out to moneyguy.com. Check out the new resource page. Also, guys, if you haven't, you hear us bragging about Daniel and a lot of the content. You've got to also, the team in the background, we're also creating blogs. Blog posts, yep. If you're not looking at our blogs, you're missing out on tremendous things because we're taking a lot of the content we're doing here, but we can only do so much within 35 to 55 mm -hmm. minutes what we do for a normal show. We know there's other conversations to be had, Absolutely. so we're using the blog to kind of fill in the gaps. Take advantage of that. It's free. You're crazy if you're not taking advantage of that stuff. And then you're asking, that's the last thing. Why are we doing this all free? 
we have developed this. I've been doing this since 2006. Mm -hmm. We have developed the abundance cycle. And this is simple. And, 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 it's, and when you hear about it, you're like, that makes complete sense. I see why these guys are doing I see why they're growing. Is that we want you just to come and take, absorb, learn all the free information we're giving you. Because we know if you will learn, apply this, you're going to start noticing your resources, your net worth, your success is just going to grow. Because we're just blowing it up, giving you free stuff. There's going to reach a level that you're going to get so successful that you're going to go, what do I do with this? And how did I get here? Yeah, how did I get here? I don't remember saving this much money. It's because you didn't. Your army of dollar that's bills right. did a lot of the work. And you're going to say, I need some help. And that's where the abundance cycle kicks in where you'll say, I remember who gave me all that advice. We've been doing this since 2006. So people then reach out and they start working with us professionally. It is the greatest thing. I love it because it's generous. It's, it totally fulfills the abundance principle of that you can create so much. Yep. Just dial in, moneyguy.com. You will get connected. I don't care if you're listening to podcasts, if you're watching us on YouTube. The purpose is complete, is that we want to see you become the best version of, of your financial self. So take advantage of it. Make sure you go out to the website. Give us your email address. Subscribe so you can get updates from us. If you haven't gone out to YouTube and subscribed, do that so you can, let, you can be no, uh, notified every time we upload a new video. We are so thankful we get to do this with you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing us to spend some time with you every week. Money Guy team, out. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Mm -hmm.